0: He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. You know, I remember when I was in elementary school and I was in Cub Scouts. And when we moved up from one level of Cub Scouts to another, there was, a, there was an initiation time. And I remember going through that initiation. And one of the initiations they did to me that day was they put a coat over my head. They said, okay, you're the captain of a submarine, you're coming up to the surface and you want to look around, so say up periscope, and you'd say up periscope, and they'd stretch your coat sleeve out so you could see up out the top of it. Then they'd say, okay, you're going to dive, so say, give the command for down periscope, down periscope, and they'd fold it down. And then they'd say, command to dive, and you'd command to dive. And kind of went back and forth through this, and then finally they'd say, you'd be up at the surface and your periscope is up, and they'd say, okay, you're going to dive, give the command to dive, and you'd say dive. And then they'd pour a cup of water down the sleeve, They'd say, you forgot to lower your periscope. So that was uh, one of my initiations. I participated in that one willingly. The other one I'd heard about. And that was they had a bowl of noodles and stuff. And, and uh, they fed them to you blindfolded. But you always heard about the one guy that they really switched it for worms. I did not eat one noodle. I, did, they, I, I probably was not legitimate in my Boy, Cub Scout membership after that. Because I didn't eat any noodles in that. I wasn't going to open my mouth to that. Well, I think when we come to baptism, people kind of wonder like I did with some of those initiation things. It is, it is, in a sense, an initiation rite. In, in the sense that it's it's meant to be participated in when you first come to faith in Christ. When you per, first make that decision to put your faith and trust in Christ. And and that's kind of your, your entering into the family. And it's a beautiful symbol, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we go on, but it's a beautiful symbol of what we believe in, it's a statement of our faith, of what we believe Christ did for us, or we know He did for us, and it's also a statement of what our life is going to be from this point on, as we'll recognize as we look through this passage with a little bit more depth. But I remember a lot of confusion about it myself. You know, when I was when I was born, I knew that, well, I didn't know anything when I was born, but Later, when I got older, I was aware that when I was born, at the time of my birth, my mom took me to a church and had me sprinkled. And then we moved when I was pretty young, and we really didn't go to church after that unless we went with a friend or something like that. And and so um, my mom would pray with me the Lord's prayer when tucked me into bed at night. And, except for when I was little, then it was and now I lay me down to sleep. As you, most of you probably know that one. And and uh, but they were just kind of recited prayers. And so when I moved away from home, and I met Lisa's family, and I started to go to church with them. I got curious about baptism, and, and her cousin, who I worked with at Arby's Roast Beef, <laughs> and his girlfriend also worked there, and she was uh, going to be baptized. And so I, I got curious about that, and I said, well, what is, what's the deal with baptism? And he, said, he told me, he said, well, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't save you, but it's, it's just a, kind of the first step of obedience Christ commanded us to be baptized so we, so we get baptized. And I was like, oh, well, seems like if you should do that, then I should probably do that. I still wasn't, I thought I was a Christian, but I really didn't understand what one was. I, didn't, I never figured, I never knew that there was a problem between me and God because of my sin. I figured I was an okay guy. He should like me. And, uh, didn't realize that my sin was a barrier between me and God that I needed Christ for. But at any rate, I went to the pastor and I told him, I said, I, I understand uh, you're supposed to get baptized, so I think I, I'll, I'll get baptized too. And, and he said, well, I should probably talk to you about that a little bit before we do that. And um, he's just busy or whatever and never did. And so the day of the baptism came around and where they were baptizing her and me both. And, and so uh, I got baptized and still didn't really know much about it. And so it was uh, oh, probably a year, year and a half later. When I finally realized my need for Christ and I invited him into my life. And then the first question the pastor had for me, you want to get baptized? I was like, how many times do you guys do this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and so I didn't know if I should get baptized or not. And, and he explained it to me. Uh, he showed me a place in the Bible, Acts chapter 19, where there are some people that had been baptized under John the Baptist baptism, which is a baptism for repentance, saying, get ready for the Christ because he's coming. That was the only baptism they knew. And then when they learned about Christ and they put their faith in him, then they got baptized. And so he said, so see, they got baptized after they believed, because then it's a real symbol of what you believe. I said, oh, okay. well, I'll do that then. So I got baptized again. So if anybody's good, if you can get there on baptism, (laughs) I've got three of them. (laughs) No, but but, you know, so all that just to say, look, there's some there can be some confusion. And and that's what I want to look at this morning is what is the deal with this baptism that we're called upon to do? Well, it is a step of obedience, as Lisa's cousin, Aaron, told me about that day. But I want to go through seven realities. Now, I I promise we're going to go through them quickly. We're not going to take a lot of time on each one of them. But there are seven realities, at least within this passage about baptism and what it speaks to in our lives and, and connecting points for us with understanding this thing that's going on. The first one. Of These realities is authority. Authority. We find it's often connected closely to authority. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you've been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. He's warning these people, don't get caught up in the philosophies of the day and those things that would draw you away from Christ. But you need to recognize that the true authority belongs in Christ. That's what we're responsible to. That's what we need to believe and that's what we need to follow. In fact, when you get to the very end of the passage, he mentions the authority again in talking about how Christ overcame the authorities that are within our world through His cross. And so the authority rests... Within Christ. And it's the same thing that we find, like when we look back at Matthew chapter 28, when he's first giving the Great Commission to his disciples, he's telling them to go out and make disciples in the world. He starts out with this statement All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then under that authority, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Under his authority, he commands us. To make disciples, when they make that decision to come to Christ, we're supposed to symbolize their commitment through baptism and then continue to teach them the ways that God has for us to walk in this life. But it's underneath Christ's authority. And and you know what? That really is a big part of the baptism. What is baptism? It's really a step of obedience as we come to Christ and not everybody's baptized right at the moment that they come to Christ or right at the time through some confusion sometimes people wait till later or or through some maybe some some are timid and a, a little fearful of getting in front of a crowd or some things like that so they need to overcome that a little bit first or you know not everybody gets uh, baptized right at the, right at the point of belief it's designed that way it's designed really to be kind of our first step of obedience after trusting in Christ baptism is god's idea And He wants our faith pictured in this very graphic way as we follow underneath and we submit to His authority. But then secondly, we also see that it rings of this idea of covenant. Now as we consider covenant, covenant is big all the way through the Bible. The word covenant just means a promise. If you want to think of the best example in our society of covenant relationship, it's a marriage relationship. Where two people covenant together with their lives. Well, all through the Bible, we see God making covenants with His people. He keeps bringing up another interesting ritual as we look through here, and it's the ritual of circumcision. And he, he keeps mentioning that through this passage. And what that does is, is it reminds us of a previous covenant. Because God, years ago, made a covenant with a man named Abraham. It was after the Tower of Babel, God had dispersed the people, broken up the languages so that the people spread out began to spread out upon the face of the earth. And then he chooses one man, Abraham, and he says, you, I'm going to make into a great nation. And then through that nation, I'm going to bless the entire world. So God's promising this one man, Abraham, that he's going to reach back out to the whole world through him and his descendants. And it's through Abraham that we get Christ. And so God truly does reach back and we get the Savior of the entire world through Abraham's descendants. Well, at the time that God gave Abraham this promise, this covenant, he gave him a sign of the covenant. And what was the sign? The sign was circumcision. It was that there was a peeling away of the flesh. And that, when you think about it, that's a graphic picture because what does God want? The flesh is always seen in the Bible as our sinful nature. And so he said he wants us to peel away the sinful nature and love God with a pure and genuine heart. That's what God's looking for in that covenant relationship. This intimate relationship with His people as they set aside their sinful nature, which we'll talk about a little bit in a moment, and they just come before God with a pure heart. Well, when we get to the New Testament times, He looks back at that covenant with Abraham, and we get the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And He keeps mentioning both of these things. Circumcision and baptism. Why? Because in a very real sense, there's two signs of our covenant. Our covenant, the new covenant that we experience through Jesus Christ, actually fulfills the old Abrahamic covenant. And we get to experience that today with God reaching back out to us. Not just, all just Jewish people, but Gentile people. All of the world reaches us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And as we participate in that covenant, Jesus gave us two signs of the covenant. One is the Lord's Supper, where we take, we take a piece of bread, and we eat that bread, and that bread is a symbol of, of Jesus' body that was broken for us, that was put to death for us. And we drink the, the juice. And that is a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us for paying for our sins. So that is one of the signs of this new covenant. But the other one is baptism. Baptism is a, is a sign of this covenant that we enter into with God. Where God is promising to deliver us. Promising us to do us good. And and promising to look favorable upon us as His children. And so we get to enter into that covenant relationship. Well, that kind of brings us to the next point, which is that it is a relationship. Because notice in the passage, there's there's a phrase, a recurring phrase. It's in Him. It talks about what we have in Christ. And it mentions this union that we have in Christ. It says that in Christ... We experience death through His death on the cross. And in Christ, we experience resurrection through His resurrection from the dead. In fact, it's very similar to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 puts it this way. It says, we were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And then a couple verses later in verse 11, it says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And it does the same thing in Romans that it does in Colossians, is it recognizes this relationship that when we, that we're participating in, that is in Christ. In Christ, we're united with Christ. We're one with Christ. We're united with Him in His death. We're united with Him also in His resurrection. We have that relationship with Him. In fact, that's what it's picturing. In a few moments when we get up here to participate in this baptism, we're going to put them underwater, talk to you guys for a few minutes, raise them back up. No, not really. It's it's quick. It's quick and harmless. That's the whole point is they're going to get put under the water because it's a picture. And what is it a picture of? It is a picture of Jesus Christ, His death, and His burial. And so we recognize that Jesus was put to death and that He was buried. And that three days later, He came up out of that grave. And so when these people go through this, they are showing you what they believe, that they are united with Christ in His death and united with Christ in His resurrection. They're going to go underneath that water and be buried, and they're going to come out of there alive. And so it's really doing two things. It's showing a picture. This is what I believe the Christ did for me. He died. He was resurrected. But because I'm now united with Him, it says I'm now dead to my sins, and I'm alive unto God. I'm alive to Him. Notice in the passage what we've seen up to this point. He said, look, you were were dead in your trespasses and sins, but Christ entered into death for you. He entered into death on your behalf, in place of you. And so now, as He has died for you, you can be united with Him in His death. And as He rose again from the dead, you can now be united with Him in His resurrection from the dead also. And then also it speaks of repentance. We would kind of think of that a little bit as we consider what we're doing. We're dipping you in water. When do we usually get in water? It's usually when we take a bath or a shower. It's when we we clean off. And actually, even, there are some baptisms, even in the Old Testament, that were, that's what they were symbolic of. This idea of washing away, this idea of, of washing the dirt off of us, the filth off of us, cleaning, being cleaned. And that is brought into here as well. As we read down through the passage, it talks about putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. And then in verse 13 it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses. So it talks about our our repenting of our sins, uh, us putting off that fleshly nature, striving to live this new life found in Christ. Well, it also speaks of how this happens and that it happens through faith. It talks about this being accomplished in us, through faith in the mighty outworking of God. So this is a work that God is doing within us as He delivers us from our sin, as He saves us. How do we participate in that work in our life? We do that through faith. We trust God and His mighty way of working in our life to bring us this deliverance, to bring us this salvation that we get to experience. And that's really the only thing that we can do. Because the Bible makes very clear that this is just a gift. You know what the difference is between gift and a wage? One you earn and one you don't. And the Bible makes it very clear that salvation is the free gift of God that He just gives to us. And we experience that through faith. The water is no different than any other little fork water. So it's probably a little discolored. <laughs> and, uh, but it just comes right from the same pipes. Right from the same pipes that our sinks and everything else in the in the church do. There's nothing special about the water. It's not really a ritual. In other words, it's not it's not something that that makes you saved or that, that may it what it is is a symbol. It's a symbol of what you're on the inside. And it it's a symbol of what you believe. It's a, it's a symbol of that faith that you put in Christ. In fact, that's exactly why I think Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, he says, he's talking about baptism. Now the thing that it's corresponding to is the flood. He's looking back at the time of Noah's flood, and he says, baptism corresponds to that. Well, what does he mean by that? Noah and his family were saved through the water. And he's saying, now that's kind of a picture, a baptism. We're saved through the water. He says, so baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Well, how does it save us? Notice it says, not as a removal of the dirt from the body. In other words, there's nothing in the water that's going to wash you clean even though it symbolizes that. But rather, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's an appeal to God through a good conscience. In other words, another word we have for that is faith. It's that we're trusting God that He is delivering us through our faith in what He has accomplished for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so our salvation is by faith. The Bible explicitly tells that in many different places. I think of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. It says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see what he's making explicit in the book of Ephesians there. He starts off chapter 2 the same way Colossians kind of does in this passage about with us being dead in our trespasses and sins. Well, when you think about it, what can a dead person do to revive themselves? Nothing. We've lost all ability when we're dead. And he starts off with us being dead before God in our trespasses and sins, but then it goes right on to Him making us alive. Together in and through Christ. And how does that happen? Just faith. If, if I was to put Ephesians 2 8 through 10 in my own words, salvation in our life is God's work, not our work. We just receive it as a gift as we welcome Jesus Christ into our life. And He brings the salvation. Even once we've received it, we're His workmanship. The things that he continues to do within our life are the result of his work in our life to make us what he wants us to be. Well, that faith then leads to, as we see in the passage, forgiveness. Now, he talks about some things that we aren't, well, we can be aware of them, but I think our, our awareness grows deeper with a little bit of understanding what happened in those days. And that's when it says this, in verse 14. Actually, let me back up to verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Now that, I think we all get a handle on that easy enough. But we recognize that we have sinned and done things wrong. There's, there's too many times, there's, there's many, many times that I've chosen the wrong way instead of the right way to go. Even when I know that it's wrong. We've all trespassed. We've all crossed God's line. We've all sinned before Him and and fallen short of the glory of God. And you know what? That kind of uh, made me shudder when I realized Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden for eating from the wrong tree. Now, it's a big deal because God told them not to eat from that tree. So it's outright rebellion. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a big sin or what we would maybe look at as a big sin. Any sin boots us right out of the presence of God. That's exactly why we needed Jesus to bring us right back into the presence of God. When we look at that, it says what? It says that we are forgiven of all our trespasses. Then verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with His legal demands. Now that's the one I'm talking about. Because you see, back in those days, and the custom was, if you got arrested for something, if you go to jail for something, you know what they did? They wrote on a tablet, they had a record of what you did wrong. And what you did wrong on this plaque hung outside your jail door. And so if uh, any guard had a question about what you were in for, they just had to read your plaque. This is why you're in jail. Well, the same thing happened when you were put to death, when you were executed. That's why when Jesus was executed, He had a sign that was above His head. They, all, the, all the people that were crucified did. This is why this person's getting executed. They'd write his crime on that tablet, hang it on the door. When they decided to crucify him, take him out of the jail, take the tablet with him, nail it to his cross, and this, there's no question about it, this is why you're being crucified. And what did Jesus' sign say? Remember that? King of the Jews. He wasn't crucified for anything he'd done, he was crucified for who he was. Because they couldn't find anything that he'd done, because he was innocent. But that's the whole point. Jesus, He was just crucified for who He was. Why? Because He was actually dying in our place. But the Bible tells us that when Christ died on the cross, He took your sign and mine and He nailed it to His cross. I love that. Because that whole list of what is Greg McClellan guilty of in this whole long list of all the things that I'm guilty of before God that is hanging over my head, that list that is condemning me eternally that list that is my biggest enemy in the whole world and i fashioned it myself this passage says when jesus christ died on that cross he took my list nailed it to his cross and the whole record is gone it's already been paid for is completely forgiven I love that. What a relief. I didn't even know that the day I got saved. I mean, I knew I was forgiven, but I didn't know that that's what they did in the list and all that stuff. But you know what? I remember the day I put my faith in Christ, I remember feeling like a huge burden had just been lifted right off my shoulders. And I'm pretty certain that's why. Because it was a huge burden was lifted off my shoulders. And you want to know why it was lifted off my shoulders? Because it was placed on the shoulders of Jesus Christ as He died on that cross for me. That's what our baptism connects us with. It connects us with that being united with Christ so we experience that complete forgiveness of our sins. When Christ died on the cross, your list was hanging on His cross as He died for you. And we experience that as we put our faith in Him. Well, lastly, the last of the seven. The last of the seven victory it goes back to that authority or those authorities it says in the very last verse he disarmed the rulers and authorities putting them to open shame by triumphing triumphing over them in him all of the all of the guilt and i think this is kind of tied to the forgiveness as well because you know that's one of the things that's what the devil wants us to be he wants us to hold us down look at all the things you've done you can't be forgiven it can't be that easy God isn't just going to forget about that. Well, He doesn't forget about it. He already paid for it. That's why He can do it. But God's not going to just let you in. It's not, it can't be that easy. The Bible says that Jesus Christ triumphed over those authorities, over those spiritual forces that would continue to convict and continue to apply guilt to our situation. Because as it says in Romans, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we experience victory in our baptism as well. Well, this is just one passage regarding baptism. It's a pretty full passage, but this and more, but this kind of puts it in a nutshell, what we experience in our baptism. So as we go through this today with Jamie and with, and with Anna Lee, this is what we're celebrating. We're recognizing the authority of Christ as we're just following Him in a step of obedience and doing what He called us to do, to be, to be baptized, to symbolize our faith in a public way that demonstrates it. We're very glad that every one of you are here today. You know, every once in a while, I get somebody that says, can I have a private baptism? <laughs> I said, no. We can do it at the lake or a river or anywhere you want to. Invite who you want. But the whole point of baptism is to demonstrate your faith publicly. To say, this is, this is what I believe, and this is the new life that I am living. It's, a, it's a fulfillment of that covenant that, just like that marriage covenant relationship, Jesus Christ entered a new covenant with us that this is pictured in this baptism. It's a, that relationship of being united, being one with Him. We experience that as we experience repentance and faith within our life. We experience the forgiveness. Of God is our list of, of sins is completely taken away, being nailed to His cross, and through all that we get victory. You know, I, I think that's probably the one word that I would sum it up best with. When Jesus Christ went into the grave, it looked like defeat. The apostles were de- dejected. They couldn't believe it. They even, even talking to Jesus when they didn't recognize Him because you don't expect somebody to be risen again from the dead. But they didn't recognize Him. And Jesus says, what's the matter with you guys? He said, we had this guy we were following. We thought he was the Christ, but now they've killed him. So what now? And then Jesus showed him his resurrected self, and it turned to rejoicing. It turned if what looked like total defeat was complete victory. And that's the victory that we experience through our faith in Christ. and symbolized in our baptism.